Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So it's a Tuesday morning, about 10 a.m., two to three weeks into the lockdown, about a year and a half ago. It will go down in history in 12 Stone staff. You see, what happened was we had sent all our staff home. No office. The office is closed. We got to work from home. Staff had questions about what are we going to do as a church? How is this going to work? And so we decided to call an all-staff meeting, but it had to be digital. Up to this point, we'd use Zoom for everything. It's pretty simple. And the team decided we want to try this new piece of software. Like we want to try this new thing uh, for this staff meeting. Got over 100 staff, so it's complicated. All the little windows popping up of people's faces and things. And so I was like, guys, I think it's a bad idea. Remember that. I said, guys, I think it's a bad idea that we do this. This is really important. The staff is scared. They're trying to figure out what this is going to look like. We knew. Remember how you felt 18 months ago? What are we going to do? This was the staff meeting that, that Kevin and I and the lead team were going to bring like some clarity to how we're going to move forward. And we we're going to try it with a brand new piece of software we've never tested. So we get the whole staff on and things come off the rails like it wouldn't work. We couldn't figure out who's talking. They, they throw to me and I'm like, and the silence, and then I hear someone else talking, and someone over here sneezes, and it was terrible. Someone's yelling at their kids over here. We couldn't figure it out, and I started to come undone inside. I already told them we shouldn't do this. I was right. This is terrible, and so I'm literally leaning over the table, frustrated, looking in this camera, and I think I'm muted, and I walk off camera and go, this is ridiculous. We are never going to use this again. This is terrible. And I hear Pastor Kevin's voice. Hey, Jay, uh, your, your mic's on. <laughs> the whole staff. So I come back into frame and Kevin goes, Jason, why don't you pray for the staff? <laughs> and I'm going, can, can I just be transparent? It was the least honest prayer I've ever prayed. I lean over and Jesus, man, we need you. It's obvious. We need you, Lord. And uh, just, just be with them. In Jesus' name, Amen. And then I go to throw to Kevin, and it's, it's just me. And the statement I make is, back to you, Kevin. And it goes back to him. And here's the problem with our staff. They will not let dead things lie. Before the meeting was over, they had already made memes that were floating around the staff. Here's a couple of the memes that our staff made. This is so bad. Let's never use this again. That's what I yelled off camera. I think they made one more, maybe. Is there another one or not? That's the only one. All right. You can see on my face. I'm angry. If you can't tell, today we're talking about anger. And here's the good news. It is my signature sin. So I have a lot to talk about with anger. <laughs> I have some good stuff. I got some bad stuff. And don't pretend I'm alone in this. Anger is everywhere right now. You go on social media, everybody's angry about something. Just pick it. I, I believe this. I believe that. You're stupid. No, you're stupid. Welcome to social media. Watch the news. Everyone's angry. Anger's everywhere. Don't point it at me. Point it back at yourself. I was literally driving to church last Sunday morning to preach. I'm driving down 85. 
And I watch what's happening on this ramp, the on-ramp from the Chateau Alain exit. And there's this, these two girls in this late model Pontiac driving. And this guy behind her is like, go faster. As soon as the highway opened up, this guy, left lane. I'm behind this, mind you. All the way to the left lane. And then the two girls are like, oh, you're not going to pass me. No, thank you. So they, that's sort of, I, that, I didn't see that, but I felt that. And so they got up behind this guy and just rode his tail. And he went, oh, now you want to go fast. So he drops to like 60 in the left lane. And they're beeping and room, 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 room. So finally, she passes him. And he goes, oh, you're not going to. And so he, he swerves around them. And I'm behind them going like 62 which is not like me. And on the highway, watching this like popcorn on my way to church. And then finally, the girls swerve over four lanes into the exit lane and get off Hamilton Mill. And he goes behind them off the exit. And I drive by, I go, I don't know what. I checked the newspaper the next day. I'm like, I don't know what was about that. Anger is everywhere. Doesn't it feel like everybody is one catalyst away from exploding? Like this year, the pressure's mounted so much that it's like we're one little offense away from just exploding in anger. See, today, here's our question. What are we wrestling down today? It's pretty simple. Everybody gets angry. How do we deal with it? Everybody gets angry. How do we deal with anger? See, here's the counterintuitive thing. Anger is a gift. Maybe you never thought about this. Anger is a gift. It's the emotion that drives us forward. It's the emotion that makes us go, I have to make a change. I have to make something better. Anger is a propulsion. If you want, to, if you want a metaphor, it's sort of like gasoline. It's the gas in the tank of your car. Anger is the emotion that pushes you forward. See, Martin Luther King in the civil rights movement was, was angry about the state of civil rights. And so what did he do? He fought to make changes. See, there, there were groups of 12 stoners over a decade ago that heard about the trafficking of children in Atlanta, and they said, I am not okay with that happening, and they formed Street Grace, and we we're part of that ministry that reaches and rescues kids out of that. Some of y'all this year, over the past 18 months, you got, you got tired of feeling tired and unhealthy and looking in the mirror and not liking what you see, and so you went, I'm going to lose some weight, and that anger fueled you to get healthy. And by the way, I see some of y'all's pictures on social media. Well done. Some of y'all lost some weight. It's funny. You start coming back to church. I'm like, who are you? I'm Jason. Nice to meet you. This is the new me, right? Your anger fuels you to make changes. Anger is a gift. But if it's a gift, why does it oftentimes feel like a curse? If, 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 if anger is a gift, how come some of my biggest regrets are around anger? How can anger simultaneously fix some of the world's worst problems and also create them? See, Jesus' brother James gives us insight into anger that I think is going to help frame our conversation. Here's what, here's what James says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, amen, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Here's what James is saying. Listen, your human anger will not produce the righteousness God wants. But listen, God's anger does. James is saying, listen, anger is not all the same everywhere. There's a type of anger that you might have not thought about before. 
that maybe we've all sort of glanced over and missed that God has a righteous anger that actually makes things better. Even when our human anger doesn't produce his righteousness, his anger does. And that's the anger I want to talk about today. There's going to be several caveats throughout this teaching. Here's the first one. Before I get to the subject of anger, you have to realize that when I say the word anger, you're going to go to the place you're most angry or most recently angry. You're going to take your thoughts to that thing, that place, that topic, that agenda, that news headline. Listen, I'm as angry as anybody about the, the events of this past week. But listen, here's the thing. I'm not trying to evaluate your anger today. I'm trying to elevate it. If I have to evaluate the 35 hot topics about anger, we're going to be here all day and ain't nobody want that. I want to elevate your anger. I believe the spirit of God wants to awaken his church to elevate our anger. So don't make me start with your anger. I want to give you a principle about anger that's going to shape and speak into every place that anger lives in your life. So let's elevate our anger together. So here's the deal. Did you know that Jesus got angry? You know that Jesus got real angry. <laughs> Here's the fascinating thing about the life of Jesus. Christians and non-Christians alike know the story of Jesus flipping tables. And I almost didn't teach this passage today, even though it's listed in every one of the gospels, because it's been so abused by believers. If I see another social media thread where a believer just rants on something, just filth and anger. And then someone comes back at them and they say, if you don't like it, my Jesus flipped tables. Your exegesis skills are terrible. That's not what Jesus is saying in the story. This has messed us up. I almost, I looked for every other way to teach this. And God said, no, teach it. I want to elevate something. See, you know the story where Jesus showed up to the temple and he flipped tables and it's aggressive. It's sort of unsettling. It's, it's such a visceral act. Jesus walked up and he flipped. Like, that's what Jesus did. He flipped tables. That was kind of fun. He flipped tables. My kids get in trouble for stuff like this. You can't do that at home today. <laughs> it was such a visceral act. But you have to understand why. You don't just get to throw around your opinion and anger online and go, well, my Jesus flipped tables. Listen, Jesus sat at way more tables with sinners than he flipped. Listen, we got to get this right. And in order to get into this story, I need you to get into my story. And as a communicator, it's the worst thing you can do. I'm going to talk about me. So you get in my story. I'm supposed to get in yours. But over the last 12, 18 months, God has brought me on a journey with anger. And I don't know how to, to communicate it with the weight of its conviction, unless I talk to you like God talked to me, and that's like a dad. So I need you to give me your permission. I'm going to talk to you like God talked to me through the filter of my anger as a father. And I'm going to trust that the Spirit of God is going to take this and talk to men that are dads and not dads, empty nesters, young single dudes, that God's going to speak to women, moms, not moms, empty nesters, single. I, I, I believe the spirit of God's going to do that. I just need your permission to go after it that way. Okay. That's, that's where we're headed. Here's, here's the conversation that God brought me into. God said, Jason, for far too many seasons, 
your anger has driven your parenting. And your kids only know one of two dads. And there's been far too many seasons where this is true. They either know a peeved dad or they know a passive dad. Listen, I'm inviting you into my world. Just give me some grace. Jason, there's been far too many seasons where you're under pressure and the only dad your kids know is a peeved dad or a passive dad. And by the way, the, the word is not peeved in my journal. The team just told me I couldn't say the word that I have written in my journal. It rhymes, it rhymes with kissed. Anyway, my kids either know a peeved or a passive dad. Let, let me unpack it. Driving home, running late, meeting went late. I told my wife what time I'm going to be home. I'm running late. She's not going to be happy. I told my kids a thousand times, don't leave your bikes in the driveway. And I'm pulling on two wheels to make it in time for dinner. And the bike's from the driveway. I park my car deep in the driveway, come out and chuck the bikes in the yard, get back in the truck, park it, come inside. And I explode at the very people I was racing to get home to. Slip the tables. What are you? I told you. Or I walk in from a long day and I hear a little bickering between the kids and I walk in the kitchen. I'm like, what are you doing? Grow up. Go to your room. Flip tables. And then I feel terrible about it. So what I do is I bounce from peeved to passive. And what do I do? I just pull up a chair at the table. And I go Passive. Grab my cell phone, flip through social media, pretend to not hear my kids do something that I should address. I sit passively at a table I'm called to lead. And for far too many seasons, this is what God's inviting me into. This is, this is my journey. God's saying, Jason, for far too many seasons, your, kid, your kids either know a dad who flips tables or sits passively at tables that they need you to lead. And I don't think I'm alone. I think there's a lot of men. Listen, every time I say men, you put your name in there. But I'm talking to you like God talked to me. I think there's a lot of men that are just bouncing back and forth between just peeved in their anger. And they feel guilt and shame, so they go passive and don't step up where God's called them to step up. And we bounce back and forth and back and forth. And I believe that there's a lot of disenfranchised men and women because we don't know what to do with our anger. We shy away from it because the last time I did the anger thing, I made a mess of flipping tables and then I sit passively and I lay in bed and I going, I should have spoken to my kid's life. I should have grabbed that moment. I should have led that table instead of sat passively at it. See, what I believe God wants to invite us into is to help us see our anger differently. Anger scares us because if all the only way I experience it is just peeved or passive, peeved or passive. And here's what I believe the spirit of God spoke into my soul. He said, Jason, yes, anger describes me, but my anger is purposeful. You see this? God's anger is elevated to purposeful anger. I have a purpose for my anger. Jason, when you just go off and flip a table, there's no purpose to that. Jason, when you go passive and just go, fine, I won't do anything, is that how you want me to engage with you as your dad in heaven? Just passive, hands off, fine. God has an anger that elevates to purposeful anger. 
and I realized, listen, just like James said, my human anger was not bringing about the righteousness I wanted to see in my kids, in my family, in my soul. And there is an anger that God's inviting us into, and it's the gift of purposeful anger. That's the opening framework for the conversation we're going to have. I want to invite you into the story of Jesus flipping tables in John 2. And we're going to unpack this story. Maybe you've read it a hundred times. I'm praying the Holy Spirit would give you a fresh view of this story today. Here's, here's the passage of scripture in John 2. When it was almost time for Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Some of you are like, that's my Jesus. Hold on. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remember that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. See, what did we just witness? I'm going to unpack it, but you just witnessed purposeful anger. How do I define purposeful anger? Here it is simply. What is purposeful anger? Not the peeve, not the passive. Purposeful anger is directed at the right things for the right reasons. See, your anger is a gift when it's pointed at the right things for the right reasons. It's a curse and brings a mess and destruction when it's pointed at the wrong things or for the wrong reasons. So what was Jesus' anger directed at? Let me help you understand how things worked. See, before Jesus died on the cross, before he paid the ultimate penalty and the ultimate price for our sins, before he poured out his blood, in the Old Testament, the way that you were forgiven by God for your sins was you'd bring a spotless animal, a perfect animal to be sacrificed, to be killed, and the blood would pour out, signifying God is covering your sins and forgiving you. Like that's, That was the system at play. After the cross, after Jesus, we don't do that anymore. Thank God. Some of you are like, you're not taking my dog. That's great. We're not doing that anymore. But back then, that's what happened. And the system was not everyone had animals. So they'd have to come to the temple and buy animals to be sacrificed, to cover their sin, to be made right with God the Father again. But the problem was these people that were running the temple courts, they started to mess things up. See, the first, com the first commandment is you should have no other gods before me. And so what they would do is back in the day, the, the money that they would use outside of the temple had the faces of pagan leaders on them, Caesar and others, and they wouldn't accept those coins in the temple. And so what you had to do is like when you go to another country, you have to sort of change over your money to the local money. They actually had temple money, like Jewish money. And so you'd come and bring your coin with Caesar's face or whatever on it. And you'd change it out and get the money that was clean and didn't have idols on the coins. And so what they would do is they would actually charge an absorbent amount for the changeover. Listen, this coin's worth a dollar. You're going to have to pay $3 for this one. Literally making a profit on the worship of God. Listen to how twisted this was. People were idolaters. They put other things before God, and they were coming to the temple to get right. And the very people who claimed the name of God were being idolaters inside the temple and making it hard for people to get right with God again. They put worldly things over godly things. And Jesus' anger was pointed at people who claimed to follow his father and yet had turned his temple into a market. Jesus' righteousness raged. 
his anger raged for his father's righteousness. That's what Jesus' anger was directed at. See, over the course of the last 18 months, in this journey of my anger, God's asked me the question a hundred times, Jason, what is your anger really pointed at? Like, what is your anger directed at? For Jesus, it was the righteousness of his father that these religious people had tainted. They had put worldly things. They were chasing material things over heaven, kingdom, heaven of God sort of things. What am I angry at? See, what I realized is over the course of the years, I'd, I'd get angry at petty things. Can we just have a moment of honesty and humility? If I'm honest, what God's inviting me into is a purposeful anger like Jesus had in this moment, and I get stuck in petty things. I'm getting angry over a mess. My kid spilled a bowl of cereal. It was a mistake, and come on, you're better than that. I, I look at that and say, that's disrespect. It's just kids being kids. Jason, what are you doing? You're spending your best energy in petty things, and you're flipping tables over petty things. When Jesus flipped the table, it was over purposeful things. If you were honest, there are places this year where you have flipped tables over petty things. You, you took the bait like I did sometimes this year. What does Satan want to do? Satan wants to draw his church down into petty things. He wants to divide us over racial lines and political lines and get us inside of this fighting over petty things where I flip your table and you flip my table. And our anger is just flipping tables everywhere over petty things. Oh God, would you rise a church up? Would you elevate our anger? See, Jesus's anger was not at petty things. But it's more than just what your anger is pointed at. It's the reason behind your anger. Jesus directed his anger at the right things for the right reasons. Why was Jesus angry? See, what I love is that Jesus was angry for people. I want you to catch this. Jesus didn't have to make a sacrifice at the temple. He never sinned. Eventually, he would become our sacrifice, right? He didn't have to make a sacrifice. He's like, he showed up and went, you ripped me off my money, flip table. That's not what happened. Jesus looked and said, you are making it hard for people to get back to their heavenly father. You're putting obstacles in the way of people coming back to their heavenly father. You're making it more expensive. People can't afford to make the sacrifice to be made right with God. And so what Jesus did is he flipped tables is Jesus was literally physically making a way for people to get back to God. Physically foreshadowing what he was going to do spiritually on the cross, make a way for us to get back to the father. So when he flipped tables, he wasn't just being angry and flippant. He was literally moving these guys. Get out of the way. The people out there need to get in here to God. Why was he doing it? Because he loved people. Anger is either rooted in pride or love. Anger that's rooted in pride wants the best for me. Anger rooted in love wants the best for you. And Jesus wanted the best for these people that couldn't get back to the Father. He wanted the best for you when he went to the cross so you could get back to the Father. Jesus was physically making a way and foreshadowing the way he was going to make spiritually on the cross. His reason for being angry was love. Jesus could not sit at those tables. His 
His purpose for anger would not let him sit idly by and allow these people to rip people off, take advantage of people, and make it harder for them to come to the Father. He wouldn't, his holiness and righteousness would not allow him to sit at this table. He had to flip it. He had to make a way. And his purposeful anger is pointed at the right people in the right way. And if you want a litmus test for your anger, Jesus' anger led him to flip tables to make a way for people to worship God more easily. Does your anger make it easier for people to want to worship God? Does my anger make it easier for my kids to look at the Jesus that I claim and go, I want what you have, Dad? Does your anger make the world want to follow the Jesus that you claim? Because if it doesn't, it's probably not the right anger. See, I want you to notice this. Where did Jesus flip the tables? In the temple. Who did he flip the tables with? People that claim the name of God already. There is nowhere in scripture where Jesus goes out to the Gentiles, people that don't claim the name of God, don't follow the law, and run around flipping tables going, sinner, you're a sinner, got him again, you're a sinner. What did Jesus do with people far from God? He sat at their table. What did Jesus do with people who claimed his father's name and messed it up? He flipped their table. We as followers of Jesus cannot use this story as an excuse to say what Jesus did in the temple, I'm going to do in the world. We are messing this up, church. Our anger is costing us kingdom things. If you want to have anger, you have to point it where Jesus pointed his anger. And Jesus was angry about people not being able to get to God. Jesus was angry about sin and death and Satan and his lies and what that was going to cost the world. His anger for those things and his love for you drove him to the cross. See, Jesus' purpose made it clear where his anger should be focused. Purposeful anger is defined and clarified when you know your purpose. Jesus knew what his purpose was. Therefore, he knew where to point his anger. And sometimes I wonder if we forgot our purpose, church. See, our purpose has to be clarified. There are things, I'll speak for myself and 12 Stone, there are things we are willing to flip tables over. Don't miss this. Don't hear this message as a pacifist message. So just, just be kind, just love everything. Yes, but there are things I will flip tables over. And there are tables I will sit that will challenge your thinking, just like Jesus did. And in September and October, we're going to have a conversation as a church. And we're going to re-clarify our purpose as a church. We're going to tell you, here's the places we're willing to flip tables. 12 Stone, don't, don't think we're sitting on the sidelines like we're just twiddling our thumbs. The world's falling apart. And we're all, no, 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 no. We're going to clarify what is our purpose as a church. Where are we willing to flip tables? And where are we inviting you to sit at tables? We're going to go after that because, listen, I think when you understand your calling, it gives clarity to where your anger should be pointed. Remember I told you about the road rage. Driving to church last week. I watched these yahoos just doing dumb stuff. 
isn't it funny? Most of the times that road rage, their cars aren't that nice. <laughs> the nicer your car, the more you're like, yeah, I'm going to bow out of this one. <laughs> so I'm watching the road rage happen. I'm driving to come preach. And these yahoos are blowing up their anger everywhere. Here's, here's the truth. I have had moments on the road that I regret. There have been times my hand hit the horn. Come on. I've had the moments where I, Amber says I love to teach people a lesson when I'm driving, and I do. I'm a teacher at heart, so I'm trying to help. <laughs> so I love, like when you're sitting in that left lane going five miles under the speed limit, when I pass you, you need to know when I get back in, you shouldn't be there, right? Like that's a teaching lesson. I've had those moments, regrettably. Here's what's funny. I would never dream of having those moments when I'm coming to teach. It never crossed my mind last weekend to go, I'm getting involved in this. Because my purpose was clear. I had to be so purposeful on my drive-in because God had called me to something last weekend. I was coming here to teach. If I let my anger focus on, on petty things and just erupt on road rage, I would never think about having road rage when I'm coming to teach because my purpose was clear. If you could understand that your purpose is the same, your anger would be pointed differently. I'm going to talk to you like God talks to me. Dads, your purpose is every bit the same as my purpose. When you go home, you are the pastor of your home. When I'm on this stage, I'm the pastor here. But when you go home, you're the pastor of your home. You are Jesus to your kids. When you go to work, you are Jesus in your office. When you go to school, you are Jesus in your classroom. If you could let God elevate your purpose, you would point your anger different. Listen, the way you get rid of petty anger is not by playing whack-a-mole with it when it pops up. It's by elevating your purpose. I promise if you would grab a hold of your purpose, it would slowly begin to eliminate petty anger. I didn't have to think about it last week when I was dry. I didn't have to think, should I get involved or not? Never crossed my mind. Because I, I can't lose any of the anointing that God's, I've asked God for all week by spewing my petty anger everywhere. When your purpose becomes clear, petty anger starts to drift, starts to go away. And over the course of this year, God has sort of reclaimed in me my calling as a dad. He said, Jason, you're calling for your kids. Every time you go peeved and flip tables over petty things, you are forfeiting your purpose in their life. Jason, every time you sit at a table passively, when I've called you to lead in your house, you are forfeiting your purpose as a dad. My kids, here's what they need. They need the intensity of my peeved anger with the humility of my purpose. See, when I talk to my daughter about body image, I get angry about what the world starts to tell my daughter is beautiful. The world starts to speak. Here's what beauty is. Here's what your body is intended for. I get angry when I think about that. And the way I lead that with my daughter is not by running in her room and come on, why do you think that way? Dumb. You're dumb. What are you doing? And I, I, I don't do that like this. Hey, babe, you're beautiful inside and out. You're so sweet. And that's not what I, I do it with an intensity that is rooted in my purpose as a dad. I say, Elizabeth, you look at me. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. God knew you in your mother's womb before you were ever born. 
you are beautiful because you're a daughter of the king. I don't care what any boy says about you. Your father in heaven is wild about you. You feel the intensity of that? As a man, as a father, God has called me to elevate my anger. I'm not called to be a, a passive wuss of a dad. And I'm not called to be a reckless mess as a father. God wants to invite my anger into my relationship with my daughter because the world is lying to her. And it doesn't do it justice when I go soft or when I go reckless. When I talk to my sons about what it means to be a man, I can't do it passive. I can't go crazy. But I can grit my teeth and say, son, God put you here for a purpose. God's wired you uniquely. Look in my eyes, son, when I'm talking to you. Look at me. You have gifts and abilities. And what it means to be a man is to respect people, starting with your mother. You better not disrespect my wife and your mother. Look at me. When you say yes, your yes will be yes and your no will be no. Son, look at me. When you start something, you finish it. When you're working, you're not working for your boss. You're not working for me. You're working for your father in heaven. You better grow up to be a man. See, dads, our kids desperately need your purposeful anger. And my fear is that we bounced around from making messes to going passive and being peed to being passive, that we forfeited the gift of anger God's given us. Listen, bosses, your employees need your purposeful anger. Call them up to something. You can be better. We can be better as a team. Teachers, your students need your purposeful anger. They need you to grit your teeth and look them in the eyes and say, you can be better. I see potential in you. Don't be passive. Don't be reckless. Don't be peeved. Don't be passive. Grow up to this anger. Friends, your friends need your purposeful anger. I'm calling you up to something. If you're a follower of Jesus, I cannot sit quietly at this table while you're living in sin. I got to call you to something. God invites us into purposeful anger. And listen, Jesus knew his purpose. So his anger was clear where it needed to go and why he was doing it. I want to give you three pictures and we're going to be done. I'm going to pray over you. And allow me to not be real smooth and like, here's how I crafted it. I just want to say three things, and I pray the Spirit of God marks us as a church. Three questions. Where have you flipped the wrong tables? I want to sit here for a minute. Where over the last 18 months has your anger flipped the wrong tables? You've been sitting down in petty stuff and flipping tables down here. Here's the problem about flipping tables. Once you flip a table, there's nowhere to sit. And if you flip enough tables, you got nobody in your world. Here's the danger of the last 18 months. You can flip enough tables over small things, over politics, over policies, over medical stuff, and you just flip in petty tables everywhere. You can wake up when this thing's over and have nowhere to sit. See, maybe you flipped tables where God wanted you to sit around them and bring influence. So 
See, when Jesus flipped the table in the temple, he never had any intention of sitting at these religious tables. In fact, this sort of started the direction towards the cross. When he flipped it, the religious leaders said, we're getting that guy. How dare he come in and flip these tables that we've built? And that sort of sealed his future. Thank you, Jesus. But that sealed his future. Where have you flipped the wrong tables in the last 18 months? Spirit of God, would you speak to people right now? Things that you at the time thought were purposeful. And maybe the Spirit of God is going, you're down here. If you flip the wrong tables, what do you do? Start cleaning up. Listen, dude, I'm sorry. I made a mess of some stuff. Kids, I'm sorry. How many times have I had to say that this year? Kids, I'm sorry. That's going to take time. You don't clean up a mess like this quickly. Clean it up. Secondly, here's your second question. Where are you sitting passively at tables? See, some of you, you go the peeved route. You flip tables, and maybe God's calling you to clean that up. Others of us, we've gotten too comfortable sitting at tables passively. I'm going to talk to dads and I'll apply it to everybody. Dads, this world has a way of beating us up. This world has a way of making us scared of anger because you've made enough mistakes over there that you feel disqualified from leading over here. And so what you do is sit passively at tables that God puts you at to lead. All of us, maybe there's tables you're sitting at with fellow believers and you're giving each other permissions. That's okay. That's fine. That's just a little sin. Don't worry about it. And you've gotten so comfortable sitting passively at tables that you have forfeited your influence and leadership. God has put you at tables to lead. Problem on this side is that you can have you can be so easy, go with the flow, never speak up, never speak truth. You got plenty of places to sit, but nothing to stand for. And church, there might be some people here today that God's going, I need you to step into your righteous anger, your purposeful anger. You've sat peacefully for too long. You might not need to flip the table, but it's time to speak up. Last question. And I'm going I'm to make it personal. Over the course of the year, as God started to deal with me about my anger, I go from peeved to passive, from peeved to passive. That's all my kids know. Here's what I realized. If Jesus were to step into my world like he stepped into the temple, there might be some tables in my life that he would flip. The danger of reading scripture is I always read myself into the story as Jesus. All right, time to flip tables. When in fact, scripture is not here for me to read myself into it. It's for scripture to get into me. And I realized that Jesus would probably flip a few tables in my life. I'm honest. I discovered the root of my anger was that I'd set up a, a prideful table about my image. I'm just going to take a risk and be vulnerable. I was more interested in my kids looking good so I looked good than I was about 
discipling them and growing them up in love and making them to be the men and women God's called them to be. I wanted them to make me look good. And every place that I felt like they didn't make me look good, I'd flip a table. Then I'd feel so guilty about it. I'd go over to passive again and go, I'm sorry, let's just watch a movie tonight, kids. I want to be fun dad for a minute. And what I discovered is that Jesus needed to flip the table of pride in my life. And if you're honest, maybe this year you've been so busy flipping tables in other people's lives that you've not realized that you've set up tables of pride. That if Jesus was to walk in, he'd flip that table like he flipped the money changer's table. The last question, simply this. Where does Jesus need to flip tables in your life? Maybe you've been stuck down in petty and prideful and Jesus would say, I gotta flip that. See, bring that graphic up one more time. Here's what I think the evil one wants to get us as a church. If he can get you to be angry and peeved and flip tables or passive and just disengaged, he wins. If he can get us as a church just down in these petty things, these lesser than kingdom things, he wins. But as the Spirit of God calls a church up to purposeful anger, the kingdom of God can advance. And the world is caught up in petty things right now. And listen, it's easy for me to say that and you to think of the thing you're angry about and go, that's not petty. It might not be. But listen, God's calling us to kingdom things. God's calling us up to something as a church. And our anger over petty things, lashing out and peeved or just going passive with our anger is not advancing what God wants in you, your family, your marriage, your calling. Maybe God would elevate us as a church today. Let's let's go back to the first question. Everybody gets angry. How do we deal with it? There's this simple Sunday school answer, but it rings true. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. I'm not talking about the table flipping. All right, I'll flip some tables. No, Jesus sat at way more tables than he flipped. I'm talking about be like Jesus under the cross. See, when Jesus had the most right to be angry as he's being crucified, what did he say? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. When Jesus had the right to pour out his anger, to pull himself off the cross and be like, time to get even, Jesus said, forgive them. Church, we got to get real, real humble in our anger because I think God wants to invite us to elevate this thing. So across the campuses, I want to pray over us. When I say amen, the campus pastors will step up, and at home, they'll take over. But I want to pray sort of those three questions over us. So would you bow your heads with me? So Heavenly Father, I want to start over here with the peeved side of things. God, for men and women that have been so busy flipping tables, that they don't realize there's nowhere even left to sit. God, would you bring quick surrender, quick humility, and would you invite them to go clean some stuff up? Listen, my my anger at the best of me, would you forgive me? And God, would you forgive them? As they right now are whispering, God, I struggle here. Would you forgive them quickly, God? Would Would you bring a humility that's connected to their purpose? 
Would you call them up? God, I pray on the other side, I pray for men and women who've gone passive. Maybe they got their hands slapped enough times when they brought their anger to bear that they just sort of pulled themselves out. I'm out of the game. I'm not doing it anymore. God, I think there's a lot of dads that have gone passive over the last 18 months. It's not worth risking getting my hands slapped for bringing my anger to bear. So just forget it. I'm on social media. I'm watching the game. Just, just give me a beer and we'll watch a movie with the kids. We'll call tonight. God, would you call dads back up to their purposeful anger? God, for all of us, wherever we've gotten passive, where we're sitting at tables, we should be leading or influencing. God, would you call us back to it? And then God, for anybody that would be honest enough to admit it, maybe we've set up prideful tables in our own world right now, God. And there are prideful tables we have constructed. It's way more fun to go flip someone else's table when in fact, Jesus, you might be right now shedding light in a table that, oh, you would love to flip. I want to get this table out of the way so that I can call you from this petty anger up into this purposeful anger. So God, for us as a church, would you give us wisdom? God, it's so hard to decide what, what tables are worth flipping, what tables we're sitting at, God, and this culture makes it really hard. But God, would you give us wisdom and clarity over these next 90 days as we talk about, God, where are we going as a church? What tables are we willing to flip? God, would you call your people, your church, up to a righteous, purposeful anger? Because God, anger is a gift. If you would teach us how to use it up here in purpose, God, you would advance your kingdom. So we love you, Jesus. Tell them you love them. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did on the cross. There's no one like you. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.